Hi guys, welcome back to the Earthy Delights podcast, where today I'll be talking to one of my oldest friends, uh, Michael Akwagu, who I went to school with at Scare Grammar and have kept in touch with ever since. Um, and today we're just going to be talking, he's a freelance, um, well, video, he's just a freelance creative, I don't know, he'll explain it better. But he's a genius, he's responsible for all of the artwork that you see on the Earthy Delights um, podcast, all of that stuff, all the website, all of the photos, everything's down to him. Uh, and we're just going to talk about, he's taken a rather unusual journey um, to get where he's at right now. And we're just going to talk about what it means to be a freelance, job satisfaction, what it means to take um, those risks and whether it's all been worth it, what he would have done differently and what we can learn from his story. I think genuinely, I'm not just saying this because he's my friend, but genuinely really fascinating. And and I've, and his story is an inspiration to me and i hope it's an inspiration to all of you guys before we get started on any of that though uh michael we always do a what's the crack start mm-hmm. so what is the crack how have you been doing i've been good um first of all thanks for like the really nice introduction uh gassing me i really appreciate no it um, <laughs> um in terms of me yeah i've been good obviously this whole situation situation with like the coronavirus and like lockdown I, I, yeah now we're like through, going through lockdown in the uk um yeah just it's, it's just strange um but it's i'm surprised by how like okay i've been um yeah i don't know how to explain that i think and naturally for me anyway like i'm quite i'm a homebody i like kind of like being by myself um so it's been nice in order to like for me to just you know chill relax take things easy reconnect with like friends and like there's so much more time now for everyone to just like talk with one another so I feel like being able to like communicate with all of like well a lot of friends a uh, majority of them um while being relaxed at home um and just taking this time to like rest and stuff has put me in like a good mood and good spirit so yeah good to hear yeah um just to clarify to anyone listening this is we've recorded this during the coronavirus outbreak um and we're now both in lockdown i've been in lockdown for quite a while now but this is probably going to get well this is you'll be listening to this now which is quite a while after the coronavirus hopefully mm. if all things are going well so um <laughs> or maybe not maybe we're still maybe when this podcast gets released we're still going to be in the coronavirus oh, lockdown. God. who knows um that's not the plan anyway but no it's good to hear that you've uh you're dealing well with it i'm it's been, for, it's been a bit, yeah, yeah, for me, it's been about 16, 17 days now. Um, oh my gosh. And it's really starting to, starting to grain on me uh, mm-hmm. mentally, just, you know. Uh, look, I, I don't want to complain too much no, for no, now no, anyway. No. My job's my job's secure, so I've got, I know at least I've got enough money mm-hmm. to cover rent and, and food, which is at the moment all you can pay for anyway because you're stuck in the house. Um so I, I always try to keep things in perspective um mm. but yeah it's, it's getting a bit dull and, and what's i think the di- most difficult thing is there's nothing to differentiate the days now because yeah. uh, before obviously you go to the office and then obviously i have my own routine of you know so, certain days tuesdays and thursdays i'd go to jiu-jitsu then mondays and uh, sunday uh, no wednesdays and sundays i'd go to yoga and and then, sort of, and then you have plans on the weekends and so you, you mm. know you have things to look forward to throughout the week and now that's just completely gone. And so you're kind of having to invent things and do home yeah. workouts. And, but yeah, it does feel a bit like Groundhog Day. Uh, but hey, look, we're we're going forward. The good thing is um, we can record these podcasts. So that's yeah. one positive. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of time, Jim and I have had a lot of time to focus on the podcast, which has been good. Um, so, so yeah, so let's, 
try and stay positive. Um, I'm looking for one thing is I'm definitely looking forward to this conversation. We've had this this podcast kind of planned for a good while now. And obviously, yeah. I'm supposed to be out in London to do it with you in person, but obviously, uh, coronavirus had other ideas. So here we are doing it remotely. But I tell you what, while you know, it's a perfect segue into the main segment and we can I can start asking you all the questions that yeah. I've been wanting to for a while now. Okay, Michael, so do you want to just um, kind of tell your like brief story in terms of, you know, obviously we went to Scare Grammar together, but more... Mm-hmm more um from uni kind of onwards to where you are now just so people kind of know your background and then from there on we can start getting into the details yeah so um as Seb mentioned earlier both of us studied at Skagness Grammar School um this was like for me it was through like from year eight to like the end of sixth form um so pretty much like all of my secondary school years um I kind of focused like during my GCSEs and A-levels in the sciences and maths because I felt like I was going to go towards like you know a science you know route in terms of like study and career and then during my time from like my A-levels um, I've been thinking about whether or not that was really what it is that I wanted to pursue and um, through <laughs> um, basically like failing my A-levels and going down a different route I ended up taking a foundation year at um, Huddersfield University to study an engineering foundation course and then that led me to study bioengineering at university because I felt like that was a bit more that was that was maybe a bit more fun or um, practical than just like biomedical science or like medicine Um, and then after that I kind of realized look you have a lot of other interests elsewhere especially in like the media route so let's just kind of like take a leap of faith and just pursue freelancing um in order to like build my portfolio um after university and then hopefully like sometime through that like bag my first job and then just like basically work as a graphic designer so that was like the trajectory that I went through Okay, you've definitely downplayed that massively, so I'm going to give I, everyone. I, I, else. I know, I didn't, I didn't know like how. I'm going to give everyone else the scoop. No, it's fine. I'm going <laughs> to give everyone else the scoop. Basically, okay. um, obviously, I knew Michael from since what we were 11 years old. Well, you might have been 12 because you're the year above. Yeah, um, so yeah, 11, crazy. Yeah, um, and Michael was always you're always into your comic books and you're always like drawing like the comic books, um, like superheroes and stuff, mm-hmm. and then you know we have some similarities you know your mom's nigerian my dad is italian so that's that immigrant Mm -hmm. mentality and um i remember you once telling me that uh, as a nigerian child there's only four options for you um engineering being engineer being a lawyer being a doctor being unemployed as far as your parents was your Mm -hmm. mom saw obviously uh you, you know and um which i always found quite extreme but i Whilst my dad wasn't so extreme, there was definitely some part of that within my dad's thoughts as well. So I, I definitely understood that. And that's kind of why you always took, because you were good at, um, you know, you weren't Einstein, but you were good at the maths and the sciences. You got good grades, you should see and so on. But it was never yeah. your passion. You were never, you know, buzzing about new science mm-hmm. or learning about something like that. It's just something that you happen to be good at because you're a smart guy. And it's something that I think 
culturally maybe you felt kind of forced into yeah. doing i think that's fair to say and so you took mm-hmm. that on at a level and uh, like, like you said obviously you didn't get the grades that maybe you're expecting i think there's a few things there skate yeah. by the time we got to a level had gone down massively uh mm. and also just it's so a level's just such a big jump from gcse and when you're not actually it's, interested it's, in the subject it's, it's crazy uh, yeah a whole a whole nother level i think like gcse's um like all all throughout my education until like gcse's i'd always you know manage to get good grades you know i'd study like hard but not too hard um but yeah, just at the right level. And then I got like, you know, the grades and stuff and that was good. But then something about A-levels where obviously you have more hours on each individual subject. And obviously it's it's more intense. Um, the course like outline and structure and the things that you learn um, are a lot more complicated as well. And it, like you said, like when you don't have the passion for it and you're studying for those amount of hours and you know, the content is getting more and more um, intense or like lack of, lack of a better word. Um, yeah, a lot of things kind of just, I like lost interest and then I didn't really ask for help. And when I was like looking at all these other like career options and yeah, it was just kind of, it was a hard year to like, a hard two years to navigate, especially because like our school, so many things like switched up in some mm. like course and um, some subjects like, one of our maths teachers decided to like move to New Zealand like halfway through the academic year so we were like left without a maths teacher for a while but then we had to take maths maths lessons like during lunchtime so I feel like a lot of different things especially like things that happen at home too and then this lack of interest and then me struggling just kind of caused me to just be like okay at the end I just did not perform well but again like the passion wasn't strong it wasn't like i was like burning to no. be a scientist it's just that yeah it's just that a levels require a different level of commitment and when yeah. you're not interested in what it is you're doing you know i look at my my mum always wanted you know i I'm, I'm a languages guy for people who don't know and mm-hmm. i've done languages and excelled at languages at school level throughout all the levels but i had a passion for spanish and i had no passion whatsoever for french so at gcc i got a star in both i think um that's because at gcc yeah. it's easy realistically especially if you've got if you've got a bit of a natural flair for languages but then at a level my mom kind of similar to your mom wanting you to do sciences my mom was like no mm-hmm. no no do make sure you carry on french i did all four a levels to up to a2 so i didn't drop any and at, at french i in french i got a c and it's not because i wasn't capable i could have i could have got an a not easily but i could have got mm-hmm. an a I got an A in Spanish, so it goes to show that you know it wasn't like I became a all of a sudden. It's just the fact that I had a passion for, Spa- for Spanish, hence the move out to Madrid, and I had absolutely no passion for French. So when you have to put in that different level of dedication towards a subject, if you don't have that that initial kind of passion and love for it, it's just almost it's almost inevitably going to go wrong, you know, or you at least won't get the grades that you're hoping for. And then obviously, if you move that on to university level, then that just that same theory extrapolates and is even more um, evident because obviously at university it's even more uh, focused on that one topic and yeah. you're paying 50 grand. And so that's why your story, um, not just because you're my, my, my best mates, but just genuinely it's, it's inspiring to me because I, um, everyone has different, uh, different um, 
ways to think about success and um, definitions of success, I should say. Uh, my definition of success is living life on your own terms, whatever mm. that may be. You know, some people might decide that, that means they want to have three wives or whatever it may be. But for me, that, you know, living life on your own terms means um, you can decide how you want to use your time. Because ultimately, I think uh, everyone in life, that's all we have. You know, we have a certain amount of time. No one knows how much time we have, but that's the true um the true commodity I think of life is time and so I'm always inspired by people who who work out a way to live their life in such a way that they can choose how and how and who they spend their time with uh, and sometimes I think for me personally that means going off on your own uh, and um, being a freelancer or an entrepreneur or something you know being your own boss mm-hmm. in other words but yeah. that's not necessarily the case because you know if you love let's say um game design and you go to work for one of the huge game designers and you're working on the new card or fifa or whatever then you know you're not your own boss but you are you've chosen that path because you love that path and so that's it's still the same thing but i don't think many people get that opportunity you know and so mm-hmm. when after you did your university degree um obviously you've now got yourself into a load of debt like all of us have like I have as well uh and so then to take that bold decision straight out of university to go I'm not even going to try to play the game of the rat race and you know get a job in the bioengineering field um you decided to go right that's it I'm gonna go and try and be a freelance in in um you know graphic design and videography and photography and so on and so forth which I'm not sure you even recognise how ballsy that is or cocky or however you want to call it because you had no, as in you had no formal skills whatsoever. It was just purely yeah. a passion. You know, it'd be like me saying, I want to start up a restaurant now just because I like cooking. But I have, I've never been to chef school. I've never done anything like it, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to do it because of the force of my will, you know, and that's what you did. Mm-hmm. And I know that you have suffered a lot of um, kind of pressure from your mum to get mm-hmm. a job and to be quote unquote realistic and um sensible quote unquote um and so to kind of stay true to who, what knowing what you want to do despite all of that all of the social pressures your parental pressures um obviously comparing yourself with your friends who probably did go on to get well-paid bioengineering jobs and so on and so forth i think is really commendable and you've since then have kind of made a fairly like a success of yourself considering you've had no really formal training it's all been done off your own back and free youtube courses and and, and whatever else um i wanted to ask in in hindsight um is there anything you would have done differently up to up to now is there anything you would have gone you know what well, actually i would have gone to obviously i mean you would have done a, a a graphics design degree i suppose but i mean i'm talking more about after uni so once you left uni mm-hmm. you decided you were going to be freelance was there anything that you thought in hindsight, I would have done this differently, or I would have actually enrolled into a certain course or or something along those lines. Um, I think one of the first things that probably come to mind would just be doing a lot of things earlier, um, and just kind of not overthinking things, um, and also, yeah, not overthinking things, and just kind of being confident in just the decisions and thoughts and choices I've made because even though the act of me kind of just completely dropping my degree and pushing forward with that design was bold I still kind of you know 
had my own like reservations. I wasn't maybe as vocal about being, you know, wanting to pursue freelancing. I think also because in my environment, like my mum, like in my family, it's just my mum and myself. So me kind of like sharing a lot to her was already um, kind of difficult to do or navigate. And in fact, one of the first things I actually wish that I did differently was just have that conversation with my mum differently. So when I, so I made this choice to like, just not go forward with like bioengineering, probably during my last year of uni, um, if we kind of go back a bit, like mm-hmm. even when we look at like school, um, if I, I'm being like honest with myself, I always had this interest for you know to pursue a creative career, but I just didn't know what that looked like. There was um, a lack of I guess, access access for myself as well as information. I didn't really know where to look. And so I remember even during like my sixth form, my year 12, I remember like being in the sixth form common room and I was just like searching, like searching for footwear design jobs, um, like sneaker design jobs, um, like Adidas or Nike and seeing like the kind of jobs that were available. But I still just didn't believe that that realm of, you know, work was possible for someone like myself. And when you come from a background where, like you said, like an immigrant background where your parents are like, oh yeah, um, we need you to do this because this is a stable form of income. And even like one of my closest friends at school, George, he wanted to pursue a career in the arts, in music and acting. And we, in our like um, year group, we would laugh at him because we'll be like, 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 what are you going to do? Like busk on the road forever. Like you're not really going to make money. How are you going to survive? But we, like I, I later on, like, realized like no he's actually really good at this um and he has a passion for it and it was actually kind of bold to see him even make that step and he was somebody that was studying like triple science at GCSE so that's like the GCSE science course where you kind of have like the most um most of your times filled up with science subjects and that gives you like five GCSEs so seeing him study triple science, knowing that he is not someone that wants to pursue science and he wants to go into like arts and entertainment was just really like mind boggling for me. But there was that mindset of, oh, no, you can't really pursue that. So I guess like over time, like those walls were like breaking in terms of, OK, you could you don't necessarily have to pursue science. And so I think after pursuing that in school and then doing that at uni, because again, I still thought, okay, even though I don't want to go for biomedical science, because that was the original plan, bioengineering might give me some form of creative access and creative control. I can actually make stuff because it's engineering. Um, And then I got into the course and I realized, oh, it's actually really like theoretical. It was a new degree at the University of Sheffield and they were still like, finding their way through the degree so we were taking like bits of modules from like computer science and mechanical engineering and all of these other um places so when it came to bioengineering and applying all of that to our field it was more us like thinking about how we do that rather than creating the things that would make that happen and I think that left me really frustrated because with bioengineering that was kind of like a compromise so I was like, I remember like going through clearing to find my foundation engineering degree, like year um course. When I went through clearing, I remember my mum even asked me like, Michael, like this is the time for you to like study. Like you finish, you finish school. You've made me proud. This is time for you to just study what you want to study. 
but that still just didn't register in my head. I was still like, no, no, like I need to do something science because, you know, my mom and like my family's like sacrificed so much for my education. And also like, no, like, will it really work? Could I really be that bold? I don't know. And then I saw, I was looking in bioengineering and I was like, okay, this seems like a good mix of the two. I can apply some design principles to science and that will hopefully happen during my course. And then when I got to the course, none of that happened. And I was like, okay, this is boring. I do not enjoy this at all. Like it got to the point where I was more interested um, with like the packaging that the medical devices were in rather than med- rather than the medical devices themselves. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking like, how can I be so focused on the, pr- like the packaging of the product than the product itself and these products are supposed to like save lives and like you know change the world and stuff and that's when I was like okay no there's a problem or I'd sit in lectures and I'd just be really like bored I'd just be like bro so I have to do this for like three years this seems so dry or I'd push and force myself to try yeah. and like you know take it all in and to study but the passion just wasn't there I'd be more interested in working on working with like different university societies and making posters or flyers or social media content rather than my course and with church i joined the photography team as well as i i started creating graphics for like um slides or like um sermon sermon slides and stuff like that so i was like okay i'm enjoying everything my social life as well bar my degree and i think during that time as well like i was learning okay more about myself more about my interests and my passions so and then also like unlearning all of this stuff that I learned from like my family and culture and how culture says that you have to do this a specific way. But then I think, no, but I actually want to do this and I want to live for myself and I just want to be me and I don't want to have to conform for anybody else. So um, this is all to say, like when I had that conversation with my mum about me just not wanting to pursue like bioengineering and I just really wanted to pursue like a creative career, Mm. there was a, there was a lot of resentment there yeah and there was like not anger but just frustration that throughout all of like my life to sound dramatic um I felt like I had been like serving all of these other people and going forward with plans and ideas that they had for me and Mm. obviously they had like my best interests at heart but that in you know in turn kind of did the opposite and it caused me to go down so many like spirals like even like uni like I went through like really weird bouts of like depression just because I just was not happy with imagine I'm going to university for these many hours to study this degree that I just do not enjoy but yeah you can't find your purpose yeah and I just felt so off because everything else I was doing I found joy in and I could see myself really working on that, but I didn't really fully understand how I could make that a possibility. And also, again, like my friends around me were unlearning certain things as well, but some people may have certain mindsets of, oh, could you really get a job in media? Is it really going to work? Or, oh, Michael, you just, I became the friend that people kind of look at at times and just be like, bro, like what's happening with this guy? Like he's a bit of a mess. He just seems like yeah. all over the place. It's so, funny like, I think it's so funny that to interrupt, Michael. It's just that no worries. You know, like you were talking about, um, you know, your culture and uh, so mm-hmm. you know that um, immigrant that immigrant background, that being yeah. Obviously, you're a first generation Brit, but obviously, you have the Nigerian culture there as well, which you're equally as proud of being being part of both cultures. And mm-hmm. I think it's just so funny that 
to me, it kind of speaks of um, a, a lack of confidence in yourself and and and, mm. and then finding it because, you know, when you talk about your friend George, for example, obviously he had a sort of, some sort of confidence that he was going to be a singer and actor or whatever yeah. it was that he wanted to do. And, and yet everyone else would laugh at him. And I think the reason, when I think back on it, I think the reason, because if you do anything that's outside of the norm, so if you say that you want to be a lawyer, no, one, unless you're stupid and people can see it's just outside of your possibility, I mean, being truthful, you know, um, no one's going to laugh at you. If you say you want to be an engineer, no one's going to laugh at you because why? Because there's a a, a, a a defined path to take you there, right? And it's based on meritocracy. So if you get these grades, you'll get into this university. If you get the grades from this university, you're opening doors for a good job. If you get this good job, you put and then blah blah. blah. And you know what I mean? And it's very it's meritocracy. So the risk isn't there. Because no matter how, you know, we all know these stories. You can be the best singer in the world, the best actor, the best football player, the best whatever it may be. Uh, but those ones, those jobs, those passions, and I call, I call them more passions because I think if you're a football player, it's not a job. If you're mm. a singer, it's not a job. It's a passion that you get paid for, right? Yeah. And so those passions that fall outside of those of that defined path, that, merit, that meritocracy path, they there's a certain amount of luck no matter how good you are there's a certain amount of luck needed to get to where you want to get to right that's just facts there doesn't matter how good leonardo dicaprio was his father probably knew someone or his you know i just mm. listened to um, daniel radcliffe on, on desert island discs now i personally wouldn't say that daniel radcliffe um is maybe the best actor this world has ever seen i think he might even agree with that himself but he yeah. was lucky in the sense that both of his parents worked within the acting world i think there were some they were they were actors at one oh, really? point uh, and then one, and then I think his dad was an agent or something, and so he was he had that luck to get him in, and then obviously the luck to look exactly like Harry Potter. You know, if he was if he was blonde and blue eyed, he wouldn't have got that role. Doesn't matter yeah. how good he was. So you always have to have a bit of luck when you're not doing doing those, you know, the engineering path, the lawyer path, the the doctor path, the whatever path it may be. And I think, but then what's funny is the, the paradox to that is that. In reality, when you ask, you know, if you walk down London, well, maybe not now because we're in coronavirus lockdown, but two weeks ago, if you walk down Oxford Street in London and you pulled 100 people to a side and you said, who inspires you? Um, I don't think any of them would have cited a lawyer, a doctor, mm. Uh, mm. an engineer. They would have all cited an actor, a singer, uh, yeah. a football player, a rugby player, you know, all these ones where... But when, but yet when we see someone in our own circles trying to achieve that goal, we all laugh at them. Oh, that's, oh, so true. that's ridiculous. Why are you doing that? You're never going to do it. But then when you get there, if you get there, you know, if you get to those levels, they will be the first to say, oh, I went to school with Michael Aquagu. I did biology with Michael Aquagu, you know, and, and you talk about, you talk about your culture. I think um, the kind of the, the black British culture, uh, has mm. experienced a real boom within the acting world. Uh, mm. I forget their names now. Um, like the Daniel guy did, Kudu, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He, the guy who did Get Out. He's Daniel. I forget his yeah, name, yeah, last yeah. name. And then the guy who did um, Star Wars. Uh, John Boyega. John Boyega, Nigerian. Yeah. Uh, so, mm -hmm. And there's, I mean, there's plenty more. They're just the two that really spring to mind. But yet. They're, so they're representing this immigrant background, you know, the black British background, success stories. But yeah, what are they doing? None of them are, are engineers. None of them are lawyers. I'm sure they were, <laughs> yeah. they were probably, their parents probably wanted them to be when they grew up because that's the safer route. And I mm. think you were talking about unlearning certain attitudes, right? And I, yeah. when I think about the immigrant mentality, what I, they, weren't, they weren't afforded luxury. 
100%. So when my dad came to Italy, England, he couldn't speak, you know, he'd left the Navy. He was high up in the Navy in Italy. He had his life set for him. He decided to leave for England for whatever reason. And before he knew it, he was working in a restaurant uh, as a waiter because he didn't have any English. So that's the only thing he could get. So it's a fall from grace when you think about it. Same with your mum and, and mm-hmm. many others. Yeah. When they come over here, they have to provide and they have to earn, even, even if they don't have kids, they just have to earn from yeah. the get-go, you know? And even me, for a, to a certain extent, moving to Madrid, I haven't, I didn't have those connections. I didn't have, um, my dad didn't, and my mum didn't know friends in Madrid that could open up doors for me, which maybe they would have done if they were Spanish, you know? So when mm-hmm. I moved over here, I had to get a job in social media marketing, which I'm still in currently, it's not my passion. I don't wake up every morning and go, oh, thank God I've got this job, you know. But it's something that I had to do. It was a, a, um, a necessary end to a means. And mm-hmm. I think, so when you have when you kind of moved over, and you have to then imagine, obviously, your mum, and we're going to do a, a racism podcast with yourself later on, but your mum would have experienced far worse cases of racism than I'm sure you would have had because she arrived 40 years ago in England. So it was a different world back then. So when she's gone through all of these hardships um, and, you know, she's working in a bank and she's done the, she's done the in air quotes, the sensible thing to do Yeah. to then see your son potentially, um, like you said, uh, uh, not make the most of that hardship and that work because they're just going to, you know, because parents think of it, Oh, Oh, you're taking photos. Oh, isn't that brilliant? Everyone, <laughs> people think people, especially with iPhones, people think that everyone can take a good photo these days. Mm. You know, it took, it took me to live when I used to, when I first moved out to Madrid, I lived with one of my best mates, Tamara, and she's, you know, like yourself, a creative, she's not freelance, but she's a pop from graphic design. She does all the same stuff, videography, photography, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And it was only there when I lived with her and I saw the day to day and I realized, Oh, like it's, it, like, it's just, it's not what we non-creatives think, you know, cause when someone says to me, Oh, I'm going to edit a photo to me, I think, Oh, that's a 15 minute job. And then I see Tamara do it and it takes her three to four hours to edit one yeah. single photo. And I'm like, Tamara's fine. And then she goes, no, look, look at the original. And now look at what I've done with editing. And you're like, oh, okay. But you don't see that unless you live. That's like behind the scenes, you know? Yeah. So when you tell your mom you want to be a photographer or a videographer, they're like, oh, well done, son. Like, we can all do that. We all have iPhones these days. It's not really that special. Mm. Um, and I just think I find it such a fascinating thing that, you know, you're trying to do something that maybe if you got, you know, if you got to Spike Lee levels, everyone that ever crossed paths with you ever would be quoting you. Oh, I knew Michael once. Oh, I sold Michael this. Oh, I, do you know what I mean? But because yeah. you're not, you're not there yet, people kind of maybe mock that path and mock that dream because it's in air quotes, unrealistic. But I, I think that's such a paradox that because we, at the end of the day, they're the people that we most, we most aspire to be. And I think it's, we most aspire to be those people because they take the risks that maybe we never dared to take, you know? And, um, and, that's, and that's what, um, I like when you were, when you mentioned that I was thinking about my um role models or like inspirations back in the day and I remember them being people like it's weird but for some reason Louis Pasteur just really I just really resonated with him just in terms of like how he figured out how to sort out milk and make it um you know okay for us to drink and stuff or like Martin Luther King um at the time Steve Jobs and Richard Branson because they just did the unthinkable and they changed the world and they took risks and it's funny how again we look up to these people we even have days that we celebrate these people 
but then we don't live life at that, you know, in that same mindset of wanting to do something, not just to change the world for the sake of changing the world, but trying to do what we can to maybe make the world better or trying to live life on our terms or to live to our absolute fullest. But no, we've been kind of like taught maybe by schools, you know, because sometimes like some teachers would, you know, tell me to be realistic. Like I remember once, this was like one of the wildest things I've ever done. I applied to go to like an Ivy League, Ivy League uni um, in America during my sixth form years. And I don't know why, it, that's actually where I discovered the bioengineering course um, from like American unis. And I was like, oh, it just seems so cool. Like unis like MIT, seeing like how they looked in, like they worked in like robotics and stuff. I was like, this is incredible. So I remember when I went off on a whim, I started like applying, um, applying for stuff. I did tests. I had to go to different schools um, to like sit my SATs. And I remember like my teacher at the time, um, I meant um, form tutor, Dr. Holmes was like, um, what are you doing? Kind of thing. And not, obviously it was kind of crazy in hindsight. Like it was very mad. Like, I don't know why I was applying for an Ivy League, but I just wanted to kind of like go for it. And it's interesting how sometimes like the structures around you or the people that are in, you know, positions of authority or influence over you can kind of like knock you down, but they may not even realize it in their eyes. It's probably a thing of like, oh, okay, like we're being realistic because, you know, it's not really going to happen, but then they don't realize how that can have a certain effect on the students and people that they're teaching. 100 I think but I think it's there's even more to that I think you know look mm. there are there are some teachers who li- they grow up and they want to be teachers and so fair yeah, play to yeah. them but there are, we also know that there are a lot of teachers who they grew up wanting to be a physicist they wanted to be an engineer they wanted to be whatever it may be they didn't quite get to those levels but they had yeah. the requisite skill set to become a teacher and so they became mm. a teacher it's a steady job you get good holidays blah 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 and I think the thing with um uh um ambition and then potential success uh and when i say you know, real success is that when you are someone who maybe has um compromised your own ambitions and your own mm. principles and your own beliefs because you wanted to do the realistic thing the sensible thing in a, i always put those things in in air quotes um and then you see someone try aspiring to be the greatest in whatever it is that they want to do um it's scary and I think it shows a mirror to themselves because mm. the fact of the matter is is that you know when we talk about LeBron James or or Lionel Messi or Leonardo DiCaprio or Drake or you know whoever it may be mm-hmm. whoever your reference points are I think all of us to some extent talk about them with a certain um it, we talk about them as if they're another reality they're not mm-hmm. real humans, mm-hmm. you know, they're yeah. like a different species so that you've got those types and they just do what they do. They become rappers and blah, blah, blah. And then you've got the normal human beings that are us and we do the normal jobs that make the, go, the world go round. Mm-hmm. When you actually think of it, the vast majority of those people came from the poorest of the poor. LeBron James yeah. came from Akron. Uh, he, like he couldn't afford anything. He lived with a single parent in, in you know, in, in America, in one of the poorest towns ever. And he's now the, one of the biggest superstars in the world. People maybe call him, people might say that he's even better than Michael Jordan, you know, so, but, but because we didn't see him through the journey, we just saw the end mm-hmm. goal. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. we then associate LeBron James with stardom. Oh, that's what he wants. He just always was that guy. He's like, no, no, no. That guy once had to wear shoes that were too small for him because he couldn't afford the right basketball shoes. That's who he was. That's who he was in reality. And, and actually, it, it, just talking about me and you, the majority of our friends have grown up in better circumstances than that. You know, I've never, mm-hmm. I've never had to wear shoes that are smaller than than my own size. I don't think you have, and most of our friends haven't. But, but yet we see them as a different reality. So when you have someone telling you, especially when you're an, an adult, and let's say I don't like to use this word, but but you know, the, the, it's perceived that maybe your best years are behind you now, which I think is mm-hmm. ridiculous because I think you can always do better, be better. Mm-hmm. And there's no, there's no reason to like, oh, I'm fifty, that's it, my life is over. But people do think that way, and that's a reality. So when you have a 50-year-old who maybe has compromised, you know, maybe he wants to be a physicist, a real physicist, and now he, for whatever reason, he didn't make it to that level that he wanted to get to, so he decided, you know what, I'll be sensible and I'll get a teacher's job. And then he has some little 16-year-old telling him, I'm going to go to MIT. It's scary for them because it's like that's what, you know, that they don't have that ambition anymore. And so I think sometimes a lot of people will put those people down, not maybe on purpose, but subconsciously because... Yeah, it's, like, it's their mindset. Um, it's the mindset because as well, yeah. because if, if you became successful, they know you. So then they don't have that excuse anymore of, oh, well, the Leonardo DiCaprio types, they're a different human. You know, mm-hmm. because if Michael Aquagu, your math student, becomes the next Spike Lee, what's your excuse? Mm. Right? Because... You've seen Michael Aquaku since he was year seven. You know who he is. You know he's the most normal guy in the world. Um, and we're all normal. We're all the same in that sense, aren't we, really? Mm. I mean, we all have our talents, but what I'm trying to say is none of us are, are, are deities. None of yeah. us come on into this world, um, mm. you know, and we're just going to be these amazing superstars. So when that person all of a sudden then becomes a real success, it's actually scary because you go, oh, shit, that could have been me. Had I had... Mm the requisite ambition, the requisite um, drive, the requisite um, work ethic and all the rest of it, all coupled, you know, it's a a potent mix that you need to make it successful. I'm not Mm -hmm. there yet by any stretch of the imagination, but I know what's required. Uh, And you need need that little dousing of luck as well. Yeah, I think, um, you know, just to quickly touch on what you said in terms of like, people that may have had to like you mentioned parents as well like immigrant parents like for example like our parents definitely had to like sacrifice that they couldn't think about um you know living a life of purpose maybe when there's like you know all of these pressures you've got maybe a new family or you're in a new country and especially a country like you know England where there's a lot of like things in place systems in place you have to pay this you have to pay that there's bills there's taxes there's all of these different things mortgages um and coming to like try and fit yourself in a system that's already been operating for how many years and then there's the hardships there's the okay you look different or you're from a different country you may not fully understand how things work here we're not sure how we feel about you and then family pressures oh you've just got married or you have children and they need food and they need nappies or they need education or they need they need like stability and having to now do what you can in order to provide for them so when I think of you know the that conversation I had with my mom I it's like I almost forgot all of that that she went through in order to put me where I was like she helped me to get into like a really good like really good school at the time Sked Sked Grammar when we started anyway was good and 
yeah. was a boarding school because she wanted me to have that experience and things at home were a bit you know rocky or like the area that I was from and it's crazy hindsight is a beautiful thing because I I, I really think that me going to the schools that I went to really opened my eyes to what was actually possible because people that I grew up with may not have had that um may not have had that awareness maybe until they went to university if they went to university but luckily from you know year eight year seven I was able to like see okay the whole world doesn't necessarily work the way that it works in London or people are completely different people have completely different mindsets people come from money like I learned about class during my secondary school years because the people that I what, what either in my class or the families that used to come to pick up like their kids from the boarding house some of them are a lot more wealthier than I was and I mean and yourself as well and then some weren't, weren't as wealthy um and so like seeing that difference like I know that my mum putting me in those like situations or those schools and those environments really helped me but I kind of forgot all of that because I was thinking no like I'm trying to like live according to like purpose and what it is I felt I feel like I was you know created for and that kind of thing but you're I've seen all around me like mentioning like Dr Holmes for uh putting his name on bluff but my chemistry teacher um and how he may have had a certain mindset of oh, okay well let's not um you know encourage this too much or you know Michael you're kind of moving a bit mad like this is an Ivy League your grades are mm, we're not really sure but I know with him like um throughout like our chemistry lessons he would always like mention not to not saying this out of spite but just things that you observe like he would always mention like maybe friends or people that he knew or that he studied with that were working maybe in these like big shot like jobs as like these leading scientists or these leading professors like he he has a doctorate so he's done the work and the way that he would almost um he's cleaning their own success yeah like and yeah. talking about like his current situation and how you could tell that he enjoyed I feel like he did enjoy teaching but maybe the school just wasn't the right school for him because there was a passion then he had a passion for chemistry but it just seemed like when he'd compare all these other people and himself it's almost like he feels like he had maybe missed out on something or he didn't fully go you know with maybe his passions and or all that kind of stuff or maybe it just didn't work out well and so I think seeing that from not like in hindsight I could like pick out like okay the majority of my aunties and uncles aren't really living like I, I can't really say like they're enjoying what they do um in their mm. like nine to five or whatever times they work my mum uh, I can see that she's just like you know doing it because she's been working in that job for how many years so it's just like you know it's the norm and just seeing how people are kind of ready to like um just get into that you know the rat race and just accept that norm I think that's what over time just didn't really sit with me yeah because I'm thinking like oh sorry go on go on yeah I'm thinking oh like um so do I just have to literally get a job that I'm going to spend the majority of my life like working in just being unsatisfied will I dread going to work every morning and I remember like laying like in bed at night thinking wow so I just have to work in a job that I'm not going to actually enjoy do people actually work in careers that they enjoy and I remember having conversations with like quite a few people that were older than me and they were like oh yeah I'm just like working in this thing because you know that's just the thing that we do and not many people really like mentioned 
how much they enjoyed the job. It was just more like, okay, well, I'm just doing it because, you know, I know it's the right thing to do. I'm interested in it. Or I don't really know what I want to do, which is normal for like people our age at the time. Like we can't, you know, you can't expect like a 16, 17, 18 year old to maybe have it a hundred percent like figured out in terms of, okay, I want to study this. I want to like pursue this career path because we're still finding ourselves. So 100%. I feel like I think... having all of, I feel like, yeah, having all of that just kind of, made it um yeah just the nor- how normal it was for people not to really go with what it is that they were passionate about it was, yeah just how normalized it was um just was yeah, to give up on your dreams basically yeah uh, i think as well i've definitely spoken to you about this in pub in, in, in private sorry but um i think uh it's actually like incumbent on us as this the new generation to mm. um take advantage of the sacrifices that our parents made exactly. because I, I, and go for our dreams because they've put us in a position where we actually have the luxury of doing that because exactly. I know, I, I know, and you know, you know, let's say if your freelance thing went to shit, we, you know that now you could get a job because your mom put you through boarding school. She put you through mm. university. So now you have that backup. Your mom didn't have that backup. So she didn't have the luxury to try her dream first and then that failed then fall back. No, she had to go for the fallback because that was the safest option. So my parents mm. and the same with the met the majority, I would say, of, of our generation's parents, they did that same that same um uh sacrifice. And I think if we make not I'm not gonna say mistakes, but if we do the same thing, then we're not actually advancing as a society because you know exactly. I'm not a parent, obviously. Um, but you always hear parents say that they want the best, they want better for their children than they have for themselves, mm-hmm. whatever that may mean. And I think part of that it has to be job satisfaction, and I think job satisfaction ties in with life satisfaction. And I think if you're mm-hmm. doing the same things that your parents did, um, you know, getting a normal job, clocking in nine to five in a job that you don't care about it's not necessarily nine to five thing if you are doing a nine to five that you love then that's brilliant that's fantastic you won the lottery but if you're doing something that you have absolutely no you're apathetic towards then you're actually to me you're insulting your parents sacrifice that's how i see it Uh, and I i did a bit of research and um like I thought I'd come prepared to this one. And uh, 63% have apathy towards their jobs in the UK. 63% of the wow. working population. They don't hate it, but they don't love it. Obviously, that's the definition of apathy. They could basically mm-hmm. just could care less. 14% of people hate their jobs. So in other words, only 13% like or love their job. Or that's the, that, that's like the semi-positive way to look at it. The really negative way to look at it is that 87% of people in the UK don't enjoy the job, which is the thing we do most in our life. So is it any wonder that depression, suicide, and all of that is on the up? You know, you think about it, just just talk, think about it logically. Let's say you do a nine to five, and let's be honest, most jobs nowadays, they're not nine to five, they're a lot longer hours than that. Mm -hmm. But let's, let's just say you're doing a nine to five, 40 hours a week. I can guarantee now, that you are seeing those people in the office more time than you're seeing your girlfriend or boyfriend, more time than you're seeing yep. your sister or brother, more time than you're seeing your mum or dad, right? Because that's eight hours a day. You're not spending that mm-hmm. time with your loved ones. You're just not. You're doing a job more times than you're doing any passion of yours, whether it's football, photography, cooking, whatever it may be. You're not spending 40 hours a week doing it. I can tell you that much. So you're definitely doing you're definitely doing your job. So, so actually the thing that we are doing the most of our life with that, you know, I said it at the very start of this podcast that time is the real commodity of our lives. Um, yeah. And so we, like I said, none of us know how much time we have. If we're lucky, 
I think now the consensus is like 85 years is a good life, right? So if you have 85 years, you're spending the majority of those years of that precious time that you have doing something that you just could not care less about. It, when you say it like that, it seems yeah. so obvious that that's not the thing to do, right? But the problem mm-hmm. is, like you said, we have to unlearn those attitudes and those customs. You know, before you have to think about things logically. After the war, there was a depression. The whole world was in, yeah. a, in an economic depression. And the thing to do was get a steady job, stay in that job for 50 years, retire, mm-hmm. and you get a nice little watch at the end of it, right? As a, <laughs> as a thank, as a thank you for your, for your 50 years in this company. Yeah. Then our, once, so they're the grandparents, they're our grandparents. So that's not that far ago. That's, that's two lives ago. You know, it's really not that far. Then our parents come into play. Okay, the 50-year job doesn't really exist now, but instead maybe you move jobs three to four times. But either either way, it's still a steady job. You're not risking things. You're going after steady jobs. And then after that comes us, and we're the next generation. And I think it's incumbent upon us to really go after our dreams and go all for it. Spend those 40 hours a week for a passion that you love, like you're doing, you know, you ditched the, the, the bioengineering and now you spent those 40 hours a week, if not more, I know, I know it's more, but I'm just being conservative, (laughs) practicing your photography, practicing your editing skills, practicing your videoing skills, putting yourself out there, doing things for free just to get experience, um, helping people like myself and your other friend with the podcast, all of these things that actually feeds your own, your own passion and so that when you're 40 years old hopefully you have a mini empire and and you talked about before about um making you know how you were talking about martin king uh, martin luther king and and steve jobs Mm -hmm. and how they changed the world and i don't think because that's a that's a scary thing to try to live up to right i don't Mm -hmm. think we have to be that grandiose i think we just have to change our world and if Mm -hmm. everyone changes their own little world then the world as a whole gets better because we're all happier, right? The, the, the depression rates will come down. The suicide levels will come down. The 87% of people who despise their jobs, that will come down. And it may be you'll have the flip. Maybe it'll be 80% of people who love their jobs. Wouldn't that, that would be the thing that we should all aspire to do. And, and, and it's not a thing. And what I love about your story, I know I'm going on a bit of a ramble here, but what I love about your story is that doing the freelance thing is, um, you know, I said about living life on your own terms. What does that really mean? That really means autonomy, right? We're not talking about being rich. We're not talking about having the best cars or having the most mm. beautiful girl on your shoulder, on your arm. No, we're not. We're, we're talking about autonomy. We're talking about deciding your life, choosing how you spend your life. And that doesn't have to come, you know, you took the bold decision to be a freelancer, but that that's not necessarily necessary, um, depend, you know, according to what job you want to do for there's little examples here so if you think about you know jobs that maybe aren't even self-employed so yeah you know in the past nhs cleaners used to have the autonomy to talk to patients in hospital and get them water and so on just have a little interaction okay they're nhs cleaners they're not nurses they're not anything else they just clean the hospitals but once the cleaners became privatized, they were told not to do this and just to concentrate on the cleaning. Don't talk to the patients. Don't get them water. Don't alert nurses if you see something that maybe you think is a bit off. That's not your place. You just clean the halls and that's that. 
the result was that cleaners lost their job satisfaction and patients lost a valuable wow. service because, I mean, imagine if you're stuck in a hospital bed for two to three weeks. Yeah. It's nice to have a little bit, you know, we're talking about it now, coronavirus, where we're in lockdown and you can't talk to anyone. Imagine if that's your case in and you're actually severely ill in a hospital. It'd be lovely mm. to talk to a cleaner and just have a little nice chit chat. So patients lost a valuable service and felt alone and hospitals in the end were worse off. There's another example. People in Baltimore um, worked in a bike shop and realized that they were all doing the work whilst their boss was no longer fixing bikes, which happens in most companies, right? We all mm. complain that our boss knows nothing about our jobs and we're doing the, the, the shitty stuff while our boss is just doing the, you know, the highbrow stuff. And so what they did was, obviously, this is because the boss was obviously a sound person. They started a new a bike shop, which was complete, which was a complete democracy, where all staff would vote on how the shop was run and all profits were shared. And all jobs, this is important, good or bad, were shared. So it doesn't matter if, the, the, if it was the boss or not. If it, if it was the boss's turn to fix the bike, he fixed the bike. If it was the, someone else's turn to do the marketing, they would do the marketing. This is having autonomy in your job, right? So it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be a freelancer like yourself, which is maybe the most um, out there way of having autonomy because that's complete 100% autonomy. But there's different ways of having autonomy within your job that maybe people don't realize. Um, and that when you kind of lose those, auton that those autonomous practices, it can really kind of be detrimental to, to your job satisfaction, which ultimately, as we've just said, is the thing that you do most in your life. So it then leads to depression and suicide. So, so with that being said, I want to ask, how, is, how have you felt that um, being a freelance has maybe helped or even actually been detrimental to your mental health? Because I know, obviously, you know, you've got that pressure where you have to earn a certain amount of every month and that's not guaranteed. So can you just talk a bit more about like the mental health side of what it means yeah. to be a freelance? Um, I think when it comes to I'll kind of try and make it a bit broad for even like anyone following their passion or they feel like their purpose in terms of career um it's always going to take an element of risk like when I think of when I first started well even when I think of just freelancing in general I saw it as a passion I saw it as okay I want to design you know people's logos I want to help with like I don't know someone if they need a brochure or like um a book designed I'd happily do that like and eventually obviously you know everyone wants their Nike jobs or like their big like campaigns and that kind of thing but really I just wanted to create help like people and aid them with like just design work and obviously coming from a background where I did that wasn't what I studied was a bit difficult because your I learned everything I still do to this day learn everything from like the internet YouTube and just using online resources that are free and it does take work and it does take effort for anybody following anything like okay those who want to be musicians those who want to be a lawyer like in order for you to be like the best um you for a job or career like it's going to take work it doesn't always kind of come easy and sometimes like things don't always happen the way that we want them to happen it took me nine months of job applications you know going over my portfolios going to portfolio reviews um talking to people hearing yeses then it's a no or hearing maybes and then it's a no nine months of that and so many hundreds of rejection letters or not even hearing anything at all which is worse um until i got my first graphic design job and during that period I, you know, I was like, no, but this is what it is that I'm supposed to do. And I think sometimes we think because, you know, 
we found the thing, things may like slip into place straight away. And that doesn't really happen. And I think that, mm. you know, it, it that shows you like, okay, how bad do you want it? Like, I felt like I had finally found the career path that makes sense for me. And I will just see satisfaction in life. I want to do this like for the rest of my life. Obviously, like, as you, you know, as you go deeper into it and as you grow as, you know, a creative, for example, your interests may kind of, you know, go sway to the left or right a bit, or you'll just evolve into something else. But I've found the thing or like the medium that I want to like work in. And I just want to be like the best in that. And yeah, like when it, when things didn't happen straight away, of course, like there'll be times that I'd be in my room, just like, okay, I'm in my room still, like what's happening? Or I look at my friends and it's funny that, um, even mentioning friends, I remember when I first, so like I graduated in July and most of us were having our summer holidays. People that had their grad jobs are going to start their grad jobs like in September time. So the July to September break, you know, I was still looking for jobs and still working on stuff, volunteering, but people were like gearing up for that time of the year where they either go back to uni or they have their jobs. And with me, I was like, okay, I don't really have anything. And I think that's when it hit me like, whoa, like life is life had already started like from graduation but now like people are actually going my friends are going into work like people are going back to a form of structure I have no structure at the moment I do not know what's going on my mum doesn't know what's going on and Mm. obviously like back in the day I you know you look to a parent for guidance but this time I was making decisions for myself and I told my mum like I didn't tell her oh mum I'm thinking I told her no mum this is my plan this is what I'm doing I'm just informing you so mm. everything flipped it flipped from me looking to people maybe for guidance um and it switched into me kind of being like no you have to make those decisions and you have to like guide yourself and lead yourself obviously i went to people for like advice and stuff but i was you know taking my own risks and trying to live life according to the way that i wanted to and mm. it was hard like when we think of these people that have, you know, made all these advancements in the world, you know, it's a bold act to decide one day that you want to set up a company selling, you know, a Macintosh product like Steve Jobs. And he had a certain philosophy about his products and the way that he wanted to change like the computing, the access type, you know, technology and stuff mm. that people didn't necessarily like agree with at first. And there were so many barriers and there were so many failures, but the passion was kind of still there. And that kind of kept him going. Like my um, pastor, like one Sunday, he said, don't look for, um, don't look for motivation, like focus on desire. Because when you like the, when there are certain things that you are desire that you desire, you're passionate about that will kind of push and drive you. And also in the Bible, um, it talks about how perfect love casts out all fear. And that's kind of like saying how the opposite of fear is love. But Mm -hmm. I realized, like, in hindsight, my love for design and my love for just, like, wanting to pursue, like, creativity, Mm. like, kind of completely, you know, took over any fears I had. So it was, like, my passion and my desire for it, like, in my head, something just flipped. And I was, like, we we, we weren't even thinking about whether or not I'd get a job in my head, I was like, no, I'm going to get a job because I'm passionate about this. And I, lo- I love this and I really enjoy this. And I just want to like pursue it and stuff. And I think that kind of like 
kept me going. Like there's so many times that I could have quit. My friends who then got their jobs and started their jobs in September, I remember meeting with one friend um, and she was like, ah, oh, um, Michael, so obviously it's coming to that time where we're going to uni and stuff. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, I'm still like trying to build my portfolio and I'm still like applying for these jobs, but I haven't heard anything back yet. And she was like, oh, Michael, um, like maybe this might be the time to start applying for like that part-time job, even if it's in a supermarket, even if it's like, you know, doing something because you can't just not do anything. And in my head, like before, I think I would have been like, oh, okay, like, yeah, maybe I should. But this time I was like, no, like, I understand what you're saying. And I, I, I know the heart that, that, you know, the concern is coming from, but I know what I want to do. And I know that I wanted to dedicate this time to just like building my portfolio and just growing in my skill set. And I felt like me doing anything else, even though, yes, it would have brought more money in, it would have taken away from the time that I could have like devoted to just improving. And me, I remember she said that, and she was at a position that seemed a lot better than, you know, where I was at. She had a job coming up. She had moved from Leicester to London and she was adulting. Meanwhile, me, I was still at my mum's house and I wasn't making as much money. I didn't have any like direct, I didn't have like any stability in place. And so, but I still took that and I was like, okay, no, I'm going to do what it is that I need to do. No matter how long it takes, no matter how long it, you know, it takes for me to find that first job, I'm going to like push. And it's funny um, how, not to say this in a spiteful way, but just like, you know, when you hold out, like after me, you know, finding my first job and really enjoying my first job and then leaving my first job um, to go back into freelancing, it's interesting the conversations I've had with that same friend where she has maybe asked me about like job satisfaction or we've had discussions about that and she doesn't like her job meanwhile I've at least like enjoyed my first job as well as me going back into freelancing not to say that it's not been difficult because it has but because like for example um yesterday I really didn't want to do any work um and there was just like so much to do and I was just kind of like pacing around in my room and I was like okay we just need to like sort out this admin bit we need to sort out that bit and sometimes it can be overwhelming because I you know I'm steering my own ship um there's no manager to tell me oh Michael so what are the objectives on of today are you like following through with them I am like my own manager and when I started this I didn't think of it as a business I just saw it as like a creative endeavor I saw it as oh yeah I'm you know just gonna be a graphic designer I'm gonna make stuff for people I'm gonna help people and it's just gonna be fun but it's not, you know, there's the creative side, but it's also a business realistically. Like I'm self-employed. I am, you know, the minute I said I'm self-employed, I'm freelancing. I have become a business 100%. person. And, and, and I am. Oh, no, sorry. Sorry. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. No, I've had to put that hat on and, you know, and it's funny, like, for example, somebody may ask me for an invoice and it may take me a, one like two days just to kind of like get myself in the mood to like type it all up and send it over because that's not the part of the job that I enjoy or having to respond to certain emails or I've got like a backlog of requests and I'm kind of trying to like take my time to address each one but because I'm not really much of an emails person I have to like brace myself for each one read it take it in and then reply and it was funny because the company I worked for um I was the only creative in um 
the business. So they were like either on sales or they were event managers. And these guys were getting like thousands of emails a day. But because it was suited to their job role, like they could handle it. Whereas with me, I barely got any emails from anyone. I was the in-house creative. So it was more like, okay, I'll message you on Slack for stuff or you just get on with your work. So it's funny how now I have to get into that mindset of just working as a business person or like focusing on sales or thinking, oh, Michael, you need to eat, you need to pay your bills and, you know, you need to, you know, provide. So we have, it's a business and obviously you're dedicating this amount of time to said project. So how much are you worth? And having to ask myself those questions. And when you start off on something like this, you don't consider that you think it's fun and obviously you enjoy it, but then you have to be real with yourself and ask yourself, look, you're dedicating your so much time to this. And most times, like you said, you know, most jobs may be a nine to five, but with this, it's not been a nine to five. It's been a nine to nine. It's been a nine to 12, a nine to 2 a.m. Or sometimes if I'm able to get stuff done, it can be a nine to five, but I can't tell you the last time I actually had like a strict nine to five work day because yeah. there was stuff to do. And because you're, if you're working from home or working for yourself, you're just like, okay, well, I'm not really doing anything at the moment. So I might as well just use my time to just squeeze in this little project here or to work yeah. on this or develop it. Like I'm constantly thinking, of all of the projects that I have. And I think sometimes when care wasn't taken, I burnt out multiple times because I didn't have like family to talk to that fully understood anything or really got it. And also like, it's still a bit of not a struggle, but there's still a gap that my mom and I are trying to bridge just in terms of mm-hmm. understanding. And then my friends, um, sometimes I may not come to like, I don't know, a meetup because I have work and they just, but it's like a Saturday at like 7 p.m. But because of the nature of the job, I can't, you know, and time, I just don't have the time or times where I'd be really, really busy and I just like disappear for a bit because there was just so much work to do. And, you know, you just natural tunnel vision and trying to deal with those times where maybe I felt like I neglected friends or when I was trying to find my path, but I didn't really have people that I could go to like for help or like I didn't have mentors at the time or anyone that was experienced because I, I did, I, you know, I made this journey on my own. So that it wasn't like I went to a careers advisor at university and was like, Oh, I want to be a graphic designer. And then after uni, we can stay in touch. And my, my uni, the most creative degree they had was architecture and the rest mm. were just more like science and math. So I really like kind of like took the leap on my own. I had to learn a lot from Google. I like, you know, message people maybe online. I go to certain events and ask all the questions that I can there if I'm able to. So there was a lot of like me doing this on my own. And sometimes Will Smith said it in a video as well. Like the journey, you know, to you kind of like walking in your path can be quite lonely, especially when you're the only person that has you know, this kind of idea of who you want to be. You're the only person that has the blueprint. Nobody else has that. And it's not everybody else's job to like fully understand that either. So I think it's been a bit, at times it was hard. Um, Like I think probably during like Christmas time, that's when I hit like a really like low, low because I felt alone. I felt like I didn't really know what I was doing. I was having to like learn so many new things at once um and it really just hit me like a ton of bricks when it came to like certain projects because I just felt like I was so out of my depth and sometimes you get certain projects and you're like no I can do this even though I don't fully I may not fully understand it I can learn on the job yeah imposter syndrome yeah and imposter syndrome hits and you know you feel like you have no idea 
way of where you're going and when you don't have like a clear reference point like whether you can use somebody else's like career path or you know timeline or um process and how they work on something you know you can feel like you are just completely lost but those situations have helped me grow so much you know so to where I am now and you know the capacity that I couldn't manage before I can manage now or like the formalities through emails or just speaking over contract or pitching yeah, yeah. Um, projects to people. I've learned how to do that. I've even had to like buy resources as well and buy books to teach myself these things. But I'm, when I, again, when you look at, you know, the journey, I look at the past year and it's going to be a year next, oh, in like two weeks time since I left my um, first job mm. that I have like, I have grown so much, not only as a creative, but as a business person, as somebody who, has improved in organization. It can still be a lot better, but there definitely has been improvement or just discipline. And yeah, even though it's been tough um, and it's a journey, like when it comes to just following any like career path or passion, it can be difficult because again, you're the only person that sees the vision. You're the only person that sees the dream. Um, and that can be difficult, but I'm so grateful um, for the person that's allowed me to become and the person that it will continue to allow me to, to be yeah. in stuff and yeah i and also i know like getting into the faith side of it but like i'm a christian so i've at times i just be like praying that like, god i don't have an idea of what's going on and that's been like a really nice crutch to have but even then sometimes like you can still get lost in your thoughts and mm. you can still like feel lost or feel alone so i've just had to remind myself like look you have this crutch you know so just use him just go to him if it, it makes me feel better. And he, like, through our faith, we believe that, you know, he cares about every little thing. And at the end of the day, it's his plan operating through each and every one of us. And I think that was something that um, opened my eyes. Like, okay, so even with our faith, like, we're, we're, we believe that God can be so unconventional because I think with religion as well, like with culture as well as like religion, sometimes you don't think, okay, God won't want me to be a graphic designer because that just doesn't make sense. I have to be like a doctor or an accountant. Saving or something lives, something like that. Yeah. And you look in the Bible and like Jesus was a carpenter or you look at people um, so that, and even like certain people that we believe to be like filled with like the Holy Spirit, God's spirit. The first person was an artist. And mm. I think because certain things like that aren't mentioned, you kind of think, okay, well, God, like okay god like my faith and like my creative work it doesn't really make sense but it's just interesting how again it's just there's a lot of series of like learnings and unlearnings that i've gone through throughout this process and i think yeah. with my faith and with my personal development um a lot of it has been better off as a result of me like taking this journey 100 and i think it's important just to highlight a couple of things that you said there um just number one is that when you find kind of find your whether it may have you want to call it your purpose your direction your the meaning or whatever you want to call it um your passion it's not that the heavenly gates open up and then you just walk this golden path towards success like mm -hmm. there's gonna be thousands of knockbacks uh over the time and and from everyone that i listen to who inspires me the one thing that they all seem to have in common is um that uh grind uh, and they just will keep on going no matter what no matter how many setbacks they get if they're sure that they're on the right path so i think that's something that i'm trying to adopt with this podcast and with a few other of my personal projects i'm trying to do is just grind it out and doesn't matter if you know if if this podcast gets one 
listener or it gets 3 million listeners or whatever, you just keep on grinding because eventually you, you believe that you're doing the right thing. Um, and then the second thing was that no matter how much you love what you're doing, there's always parts of that, which we're not going to like. That's just facts. It doesn't matter. You know, if you're a singer, not that I've ever been a singer, but um, I can imagine that if you're a singer recording the same, like, two lines over and over and over mm-hmm. and over and over again to get it perfect must do your absolute head in. If you're a striker for Arsenal and you have to track back and you have to track the wing back and all the rest of it, that's going to do your head in. You have to travel away from your family and all the rest of it. If you're a rock star, you have to, you're on tour the whole time. You're never stable in your house and whatever. You know, there's always part, no matter how glamorous the job may seem, there are always parts of the job which you're going to despise. That's just facts. Even me, I love this podcast. I love doing it. It's probably the best thing I've done. However, editing it, yep. in the vast majority, and listening to my to myself speak, I, I just want to kill myself. It's just the mm-hmm. worst thing in the world. But I understand it's a necessary evil to do the podcast and to get the best podcast that I can possibly produce. So it's just these things where you go, right, I'm going to make my a deal with myself because, like you said, I understand that it's important to do it to get to where I want to be. And and you know, you you quoted. Um, you cited Will Smith and I'll cite um, Jim Carrey. He said in, on a, in the Netflix documentary, which I'm sure a lot of you have seen, he said when he saw that his dad uh, lost his job and could fail at something that he, um, that he didn't want to do, um, he thought, well, well, I might as well try to do something that I want to do because if I can yeah. fail at something I hate, then I might as well fail at something I love. And, and I think that's so true. And I think we've all seen that, you know, my dad's been made redundant. Um, my mom has been under huge stresses with some of her jobs and they like part of the jobs, but they don't love the jobs. You know, it's so like mm. when you, when you see that you can fail at something you hate, you, well, you might as well fail at something you love, you know, might as well take that chance. Exactly. Um, and can I just quickly like, add on yeah, something quickly. as yeah, well? Yeah. This, this was something that like I realized as well um, with my degree. I was thinking, imagine I'm here, like what, like kind of studying something I don't enjoy and I'm then going to get a job in something I don't enjoy. So how will I ever expect to, do my best in a job that I don't enjoy. It does not make sense. I'm not going to be motivated to, if I was working in sales, I'm not going to be motivated to reach those sales because I don't like the job I'm in. Or I'm not going to be motivated to like fight, if I was a lawyer, fight a certain case in order to help somebody um, because I don't have the passion for it. But like with this, like with, you know, design or just working within the creative industry, um, there is a passion there. So like that passion will kind of always push through that interest will always push through. So even times when I don't, there's certain elements, like we've said that we don't, we won't enjoy But example, like for you, the podcast, you love the conversations, you love the way that it causes people to open up and maybe even the conversations that you have outside of the podcast with people and with friends. And that can be something that pushes you through the times where you have to stay up late editing for like three hours and 100%. all of that other stuff. So I feel like, the you know the the passion is what can really really drive you in the times where you just don't want to do it and it will it will drive you to be your best and to want mm. to do your best as well yeah because when we, when you have pride in your work then you know your work represents you the every podcast that i do as much as it represents obviously the guest it also represents me or represents jim if jim is the one who's hosting it and so we want to do the best we can because it is our name that's going out on this at the end of the day. And, and, and so when, that's when you have the pride in your work, you know, which you obviously have with your, with your creative stuff. I just want to, because I think we could honestly do this podcast for a Joe Rogan style and do it three hours. Um, yeah. but I am aware that maybe it might be hard for people to listen for three hours. Right. So, um, before we finish up, you kind of touched on, um, you know, your faith and, and, and some other things, um, when you kind of got a bit down and then kind of got back out. 
Um, so we're going to just do the how do you get your shit together? Well, I will, after this amazing jingle, I'll ask you how do you keep on top of all of your shit? Okay, Michael, so now this is where you can impart some of your wisdom and just share how how it is that you keep on top of um, your mental health, your emotional health, whatever it may be, um, and what works best for you. Okay, so for me, um, most importantly, I have to remind myself of who I am. So with some people, this can be maybe a, like if you write in a journal, for example, you just maybe positive affirmations. With me, um, because of my faith and stuff, like I kind of look at how God describes me. Um, so there's certain verses that I'll read and just kind of like speak over myself, but also reminding myself of how God sees me as well. So again, with faith, like we believe as Christians that God it says in the word that like before we were formed in like our parents womb, like my mom, my mom's womb because my dad don't doesn't have a womb. He knew us, so there's certain ways that we believe we are supposed like you know we believe you know we are created how we are like so our personalities and that kind of thing. So just reminding mm-hmm. myself that even though at times I may feel different or I may be in situations where people may make me feel a certain type of way or I'm faced with a um, situation that may cause me to question my like, personality or identity. I just remind myself like this is how God made me so it's all good or like the ideas that I have this is the brain that God made so it's all good or just reminding myself as well like okay Michael this is the work that you create and this is the kind of stuff that you like to do and you enjoy this so just remember that or sometimes where I kind of feel a bit like lost um again I'll reflect on things that I've written about myself and maybe realigning myself with the vision of what it is that I want to do so I want to work as a graphic designer I want to get into maybe film one day or encouraging myself with what I want to do in the future looking sitting and kind of like taking gratitude for what's happened already in life and then even looking back at the past the like highlights or things that I've achieved um or things that I've just created or things that I've done to just be like, okay, well, okay, you're, you're pretty good at what you do. Like, I think at times I'll randomly like scroll through my work um, or just look at pieces that I haven't really, you know, looked back in a while and then just really acknowledge, wow, okay, you have been doing this for a while and you've been able to like create this. This is really good work. Or just seeing how far I've come as well, just again, really helps me in terms of like gratitude, thanking God for just how far he's like taken me, but also just looking back and saying, no, like you really made this journey from here to where you are now. And that's amazing. And yeah, just trying to um, take breaks when you can, not overwork myself. Um, So times I'll just like randomly, like I bought a PlayStation because I told myself you just need to take breaks and I'll randomly like play Spider-Man or, I don't know, like Call of Duty, even though I'm not that that far into it, but trying to find the time to take breaks and just like doing things as hobbies as well. I think that's something that I'm relearning now. So because now with like my design work, that's something I used to do like personally. I still do do it personally, but it's commercialized now because I that's what I do for work. 
So just having things that I do for myself. So that can be creating stuff for myself. Um, I want to kind of get back into um, like sewing garments and stuff. I briefly did it in like my foundation year at uni and I really enjoyed it. So even just randomly like making t-shirts or shirts or just learning how to do that. Um, I'm a reader as well. So just reading things for fun because I sometimes read a lot like of like self-development books and stuff, but I actually just need to read fiction for fun and just to like suspend disbelief and cut away from the noise a bit yeah um, just and I like your joy exactly or like just listening to podcasts as yeah. well because i think um podcasts really do help you feel like other people are kind of going through what you've gone through or they've they've, t- they've already like had a certain journey already so you're not alone and you know it's a reference point and can help you with doing what it is that you need to do perfect so basically in summary faith and just relaxing and doing stuff that you enjoy yeah 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 i know it was a bit long but yeah Yeah, that's fine um great stuff well look guys i hope if you've listened towards to to the end i hope you've enjoyed i hope michael's story has inspired you to get after it whatever those dreams and passions may be uh it's never too late and we can always do something better with our time so let's try to maximize it to the absolute max um that doesn't make any sense but hey ho here we are uh thank you michael for coming on michael will be, like i said will be a repeat guest because we're going to talk about something uh we'll talk about racism in england and how he's kind of suffered from it and what he's you know what his thoughts are so that should be a really fascinating podcast so keep your eyes peeled for that one but in the meantime michael thank you so much for coming on thank you for having me bro really appreciate it loved it 